Hey, it's Aldwin. And I'm Jason. This is the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. New balls, please. We put our shit together so that we can entertain you. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Come back to life, Dick Edward. <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? I think I feel like it's another ass comment, but Jason Jason just called you on your bluff and you, you came back and you called us an albatross? I don't know what that is. Do you know what this is? It's called entertainment in all caps. Time. Ready? Play. Welcome to the Ready Play Tennis Podcast. I'm Jason. <laughs> I'm Aldwin. I wanted to start the show, this US Open midweek show, with a little toast. So I have a bottle from our bar. It is a very special bottle. It is a liqueur from Quebec. I'm sorry I can't share that with you, Aldwin, but it is <laughs> Canadian whiskey with maple syrup <laughs> in honor of... Layla, Layla Annie, Annie Fernandez. Fernandez. <laughs> she hath credited maple syrup with the strength of Canadian tennis and her game. Mm-hmm. And she is now 19, so she can have a sip of whiskey. You know, when she finally gets a chance, actually, I should reverse that. When we finally get a chance to meet her in person, I think that we should toast her with that alcoholic beverage in person yeah i think that would be amazing because it is Fabulous. from quebec she's from quebec she's now 19 mm-hmm. loves maple syrup apparently like vashik <laughs> plan to pass it on to felix tonight in his match we're going to talk mm-hmm. about him in a second but i think all of us have um had our hearts stolen we had it stolen before but um you all know now how amazing Layla is as she's stealing everybody's hearts and she's stealing the show at the US Open. As we record right now, she has beaten her third top 20 player as of a couple hours ago, beating Svitolina. You know, I, for the first time, really don't know what to say. (laughs) (laughs) And the reason being is because... I mean, let's just start off with the fact that Jason and I were in Montreal this past weekend playing our own GLTA tournament. Uh, shout out to the team at Coupe de la Reine for hosting an amazing tournament. But always more on that, do. Always do. Phen- phenomenal. More on that next week. But the... Um, oh, sorry. Is that Layla calling you? Oh, hold on. Sorry. Layla... <laughs> Babe, we're, do- we're doing a podcast right now. No, I'm kidding. It's not. It's not Layla. <laughs> just, just some internet music to you know serenade us during this Layla Layla segment. Anyway, getting back to what we're doing this weekend, we were in Montreal. Jason, I don't know how you felt, but um, the frenzy that is the 2021 U.S. Open and all of the marvelous stories, Layla being for myself the top one coming out of this Grand Slam, plus playing our tournament. Do you not feel just a bit wackadoodle right now? I do feel a bit spun. I mean, how long ago were we talking about the whole Murray Sitsi Pass fiasco? That feels like eight years ago. Like seven billion years ago. Yeah, the the bitterness of Andy Murray post Sitsi <laughs> Potty Gate was eight million years ago. I know, and there are new headlines that are right off. The press. Now, I wanted, when I was thinking about how we were going to 
discuss the Layla story, we could not start off anywhere else but with our own interview with Layla earlier this year. We were so fortunate to have Layla say yes to an interview on our fledgling podcast. <laughs> where, right? I mean, fledgling sounds negative. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're new. We're new. debutantes. Yeah. Right? Uh, burgeoning. Burgeoning. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay, Emer- correction. Emerging. <laughs> emerging. Okay, nice. I got corrected by the English major. That's not a surprise, right? So, um, yeah, she shared with us on that podcast all of her aspirations for the year, one of them being to hit the top 10. And for someone that just came off a win in Monterey, uh, 125 level tournament on the WTA, you know, that goal seemed lofty. But man, is she proving us and the entire tennis world wrong? Like, those three matches that she just played against Osaka, Kerber, and now Svitolina really have cemented her as, in my mind, a definite top 10 player in the future. For if sure. not, If not after this tournament. <laughs> yeah, I don't know where the live ranking would take her. We'd have to get some specialists to let us know. But, um, you know, from that interview, she, we learned a lot, I think, from her about her belief her Mm. tenacity where she gets all of those things from and she's talked about it uh on the court as she's been you know i think blown away by her own results during the tournament but Mm -hmm. her her best answer i think on court um in that third round match where she beat naomi was you know mary joe asking when she had belief that she could win the match. And she said, as soon as I stepped out on the court. Right. And that for me is sort of indicative of what I saw in our interview and what the feeling I got from her, even though it maybe felt like there was some naivete there about how she could actually do. But like you said, she's proving us wrong for sure. She's proving everybody wrong. Right. Let, let me just give a bit of context. So uh, Jason and I were at our really good friend Russell's house. He was, um, I was there at his apartment. He was housing me for the weekend. And uh, we were just having a cute little girlfriend evening. We had some tennis on. We had the Fernandez Osaka match. And Russell and I were chatting before you arrived, Jay. And I asked Russell, I'm like, girl, how do you think Layla's going to do here? And honestly, Russell and I didn't know whether she was going to have enough um, confidence, be able to rise to such an enormous occasion against Naomi Osaka, multiple slam winner, hardcore Grand Slam champion, defending champion at the U.S. Open. And honestly, after she clinched the tiebreaker 7-6, we thought, oh, this is maybe a moment where someone could crumble. But, I mean, indicative of what you said in the post-match interview, her belief was always there, and she's playing exactly like she has the belief. Yeah, I th- I kind of compare her a little bit to... Maybe a little bit to Maria Sharapova in the fact that it seems like when she loses a point, whether she wins or loses a point, she moves. she's already moving on to the next one. And I think mm-hmm. that's what makes for... Uh, a great champion you know you could see it during the match she 
in the match today against Fidelina, there was a couple of service games where she quickly went down love 30. And that Mm -hmm. can be very frustrating against someone like Fidelina who gets every ball back. But Mm -hmm. she just moves right on to the to the next point, figures out her tactic. And um, yeah, the fact that she was able to, you know, even compete in that match against Fidelina, let let alone go toe to toe with her after having those two matches against Osaka and Kerber. We haven't even <laughs> talked about Kerber yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, is just indicative, I think, of how much, uh, you know, she's improved even in the last four to six weeks in, in terms of just her fitness. You know, watching her play um, these last three matches, I've, I've seen a lot of things that, I, that I've can see that have improved. And I wondered what you thought, having watched, you know, choosing to stay in Friday night and watch that match over going out for drinks. Yeah, exactly. Unfortunately, not being able to watch her match against Kerber because we were playing. Right. I think I watched a little bit of the match at our tournament site, but I, I will tell you exactly what it is because, you know, Russell and I were chatting about this and I'm going to, we're, we christened it the genie effect. And let me explain what that is. So Jeannie Bouchard had an incredible year in 2014. She was, you know, the debutante on the tour. And she played that year with a fearlessness that Layla is playing with currently. And another WTA starlet, Emma Raducanu, who we're going to get to eventually, where these women are really hugging the baseline and they're not giving up any ground. So if you actually watch the Svitolina match, Svitolina is two to three feet beyond the baseline because she's getting moved around by Layla's strokes. And Layla is hitting with fearlessness. And I think one of the best things that she's doing is she's redirecting the ball, especially on her forehand. So... You know, against someone like Svitolina, who is a counterpuncher, um, returns everything, will make you play seven, eight billion balls. Layla is hitting with the same ferocity and not giving up any ground on that baseline. And it's just making it difficult for all of our opponents Osaka, Kerber, Svitolina, Kanyu. Um, in the second round, she beats uh, Kanepi, who's also a hard hitting, uh, hard quarter. Um, any chance at dictating play? So she's like, just everyone just sit for a second and just soak it in. This woman is in the semifinals. Like, wow, it's incredible. It's incredible to me. Yeah, I agree with all of that. I saw the the graphic after the Svitolina match of where she's standing on, on those points. And, you know, most of them are just inside the baseline or a little bit back of the baseline but you're right if she's able to sort of get in front of the ball she's able to dictate if she gets her first serve in I know she struggled in the match today with her first serve but once Mm -hmm. she gets her first serve in she's able to dictate like you said she redirects the ball and I think the thing that I've witnessed the last several matches is her ability to use all parts of the court right right in, in in these matches and watching the Svitolina match again against a woman who gets every ball back and still being able to use every part of the court and 
the beauty of her slice uh, and the beauty of her drop shots, mm-hmm. <laughs> the disguise on those drop shots, she sort of has uh, a complete game and it's it's becoming complete in this particular tournament. Yeah, I honestly, and you know, I think everyone kind of needs to know that obviously Jason and I feel a spe- special connection to Layla because we interviewed her early, earlier this year. She jumped from 18.4 thousand followers on IG pre-Naomi Osaka match to, I think the last time I checked, close to 60,000. And, you know, people are falling in love with her charm. People are falling in love with her um, personality. Her post-match interviews on court with Renee Stubbs today, for example, are just winning fans for her all over the world. But she still... Just to keep it real, she still manages to respond to us personally on the IG with these little messages of thank you so much for your support. We love you. I love you guys. Um, So there's a little bit of a, you know, there's a nice little connection there. And, you know, we feel special. Mm -hmm. But I just I don't know. I just I'm so over the moon for her success. Yeah. So a little quick story about that. Uh, We had just wrapped up our semi-final doubles match and uh, got the news of Layla's victory over Angelique having come onto the court knowing that she lost the first set mm-hmm. so we we had no idea what was going on because we were so focused and we were <laughs> we were channeling our inner Layla for our dubs match mm-hmm. uh, so we got news after uh, actually just before the end of our match that she had won and so we did a little video uh, to her and you know she responded and said thank you so much and she wished us luck in our doubles (laughs) yeah you know i completely forgot about that you know she had like listen she probably has sponsors calling her 24 7 she was hanging out with juan martin del potro she's having a dream run at the u.s open but she had enough time to wish these lowly glta players with a burgeoning podcast <laughs> right because you'll never let me live that down um, with a burgeoning podcast good luck in our own doubles match I think that's just so it just is Layla that's how sweet and kind she is yeah a few things I learned as she wrapped up her victory against Fidelina she's the first she's the youngest woman to beat two top five players at the US Open since Serena Williams did it when she was 17 Wow. Don't, a- don't ask me to name who she beat uh, <laughs> in, in that tournament in 1999. And now she's obviously beaten uh, two former U.S. Open champs with a collective seven Grand Slams. Mm-hmm. And she's endearing herself to all the fans in New York the way she engages during the match. The one shot that I watched in today's match, uh, the forehand at one all in the super, uh, sorry, not the super tiebreaker, in the tiebreaker where she hit a forehand winner and she <laughs> roared. I was like, <laughs> who are you? You're 18. But keep doing that because <laughs> it's just amazing. Yeah, she's ferocious. I mean, if you had asked us, I mean, we did a U.S. Open preview. We didn't put Layla at all as our pick to make the final. We just thought that it would take her a little bit more time. You know, I don't think it was any question to you and you or I that she would make a Grand Slam final in her career. But to do it months after we interviewed her is phenomenal. So, you know, 
fourth round, we were shocked but happy. Quarter, we were happy. Well, especially in that quarter, we were happy. Semi, like, she's two matches away from being a Grand Slam champion. That's unreal. 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 Yay, Layla! I, I mean, yeah, I don't even know what else to say she definitely brought out the drama in all three of those matches though that's for sure (laughs) i know and you know our podcast listeners from the jump have been sliding into our dms like at all hours of the day being like girl are you watching the layla match i'm like obvi we're screaming our head off like we you know we're just the biggest supporters of her so you know it's so cool to see our listeners kind of engage with us because they know that we've covered this story from the beginning so it's just phenomenal I actually forget because it was so long ago since we did our preview episode for the U.S. <laughs> Open, but I do recall that the third round match with Osaka was sort of my pick a match. Right. But I don't remember what either of us said. We probably were like, that would be a good run for you. Some, something Layla. like that. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Third, I think I said something like third, fourth round would be just a great showing for her, which it would have been. Yeah. Right? And now she's just surpassed all expectations. Yeah. So uh, Canada's behind you. We are living for the semi. Uh, it looks like she's going to play Arena Sabalenka as she has just concluded her match against Krajikova. Ah. Did she take extended pauses for this one like she did against Mugu? <laughs> did she grab her towel for like two minutes and just stroll around and feign a tummy ache? <laughs> I don't think the match was long enough for her to be able to do that. <laughs> <laughs> it was, what was the score? Oh, uh, one and four. One and four. Yeah. I mean... She had difficulty after that match against Mugu, right? There was controversy because Mugu called her unprofessional at the conclusion of that match. Um, a cold—I don't even think there was a handshake. There must, there might. I think there was a. It was. Uh, it was a handshake with a "you're so unprofessional" comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. And then a so, turn of the head for Mugu. <laughs> Dramat- dramatic turn of the Dramat- head. It was a dramatic turn of the head. Maybe, you know, whatever she was ailing from in her match with Mugu haunted her today. I mean, one in four, Krajikov is the French Open champion. She must be struggling with something. Yeah. And now we will have another new Grand Slam champion on the women's side because the mm-hmm. Krajikova was the only remaining Slam champion in the draw and she Audi. You know who else could be a potential Grand Slam champion on the women's side? Layla Annie. Fernandez. Uh, yes, but another teenager. Emma Radu <laughs> Canu. Formerly okay. from Toronto. I know. You know what? We remember when we did our Wimbledon episode when she made that insane run at, at uh, on the grass to the fourth round. We said, we're claiming you, girl. Like, we know that you have British citizenship and are representing the UK, but... Let's keep it real. You are from Toronto. <laughs> yeah, you're really just putting that accent on. Let's be real. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but okay, we could not do this episode without talking about Emma Raducanu. Now, I don't know if you watched our US Open Minute this morning, Jay, but can you tell me how many games 16. Emma Radu? Okay. All right. There you go. He did his research, everyone. <laughs> I, did, I did my homework. That does obviously not include 
the three qualifying matches she's had. So she's played seven freaking matches. Seven matches. And, I mean, can we just go quickly through her path? Because to me, it's outstanding. I have not seen a routing of opponents like this since the Serena, Monica Seles, Steffi Graf days where their matches would last like 26 minutes, love and love. Mm. Like for the first two to three rounds. Okay, round number one, uh, she beat Vogel from Switzerland two and three. Second round, she beat Zhang two and four. The third round is the round I wanted to ask you about in particular because it features one of your favorite female player players. Yeah, Soribes Torma. Love and one. I remember know. when? Remember we got the news at the venue. I I think we were just so wrapped up in one of our doubles matches that I forgot to ask you. But what do you what do you think about that result? Isn't <laughs> it, it honestly? I just I don't know what to say about it. I'm very sad that I didn't get to watch that match because I probably would have had my jaw dropping that she would have won that match that easily. But she's obviously playing really well. She strikes the ball really well, mm-hmm. and another teenage queen to watch. Yeah, girl has a backhand. And, you know, talking about the genie effect that we, um, that I chatted about earlier of these um, young, fearless players that are not giving up any ground um, on the baseline and just being completely aggressive. When Emma Raducanu sets up for her forehand or, or her backhand, she's essentially doing the same thing as Layla doing and being able to place that ball wherever she wants. And she is bl- she is bludgeoning everyone she's playing. You know, she face she faces Benchich in the next round, which is the quarterfinal that's taking place tomorrow at noon. I would be really that's the match that I'm kind of curious about because Benchich is also playing really well. I wonder whether um, her kind of um, precision and first strike tennis is going to be effective against the gold medal winner this year. Yeah, I think Benchich is. You're right, it's going to be her toughest opponent so far. Mm-hmm. Benchich is playing really well. Um, she beat Iga, who I, you asked, you, he, uh, Alduin was doing a bit of trivia with me in the car ride home <laughs> saying, okay, this is the matchup. Who do you think won? So mm-hmm. I was doing pretty well and I did pick Benchich over Iga. And Iga was the last person, I think, who was really dominant in a Grand Slam trajectory at the French Open. I don't think she lost more than four games in any of the sets um, on the way to the title. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it'll be a a tough match for her. Bencic does a really great job um, redirecting pace and and creating her own from uh, the pace of a player like Raducanu. So Mm -hmm. uh, we shall see. But um, 18-year-olds, man. That's the story. That's the headline of the U.S. Open. 18-year-olds taking over New York. Young people taking over the tennis mantle. We mm-hmm. have talked about it for years and years. Uh, not years and years. For a year. One year Ser- of our podcast. <laughs> Serena Williams who? I mean, all due respect to the GOAT. No one will take that title away from her. I personally believe that. But I have not missed Serena at the U.S. Open. And Serena Williams has been a permanent fixture at the U.S. Open for the past 20 years. So, you know, to 
have to not have a, a memory of Serena because of all of these exciting stories coming from these young players is exciting to me. Yeah. You know, again, reverence to the goat, but it's nice that there is a change of the guard. Yeah, I saw a post on social media that was connected to Layla in one of her matches. I think maybe it was the Kerber match, and the the tag was, "Are you not entertained?" So <laughs> I would I would ask everybody who watches tennis and is enjoying all of these great storylines, absent all of these great champions, are you not entertained? Like this is what we have talked about for over a year. Like we know that there's going to be a transition that players like Roger and Rafa and Serena and Venus are are on their way out mm-hmm. and we need to be entertained. It's cyclical. New players come in and we will continue to be excited. And <laughs> Wade pointed out uh, earlier today <laughs> that, you know, some of these players like Layla and Alcaraz, who we're going to talk about, and Emma, you and I will be watching into our late 50s, early 60s. And that made me cry a little bit, thinking <laughs> that I'm going to be 60 watching Layla still playing. But I'll, I'll be thinking fondly of how we interviewed her 20 years before. I mean, you'll be sixty. I'll be fifty-six. So, okay. let's just let, just for the record. Now you're now you're checking me. <laughs> yeah. So, it's it's a it's a great time to watch tennis, and uh, let's just say we told you so. Yeah, I can think we can say that. <laughs> Who else do you want to talk about on the ladies' side? I mean, Pliskova continues to <clears throat> win and not be paid attention to. I mean, number four seed, she ha- beat Pavlyuchenkova in the fourth round, who is, again, no pushover. Uh, Pavlyuchenkova having an excellent French Open and an excellent Olympics. I think that she is the sleeper in the quarterfinals. Uh, she faces Zachary. I want to talk about the Zachary BB match. In our U.S. Open minutes over the past week, I know, listen, I know, because y'all have told me that... We have just been so excited over Layla and Felix. We really haven't talked a lot about Chapo. I mean, had Chapo progressed, maybe we would we we would have given him more attention. But you know, BB was working her way through the draw, mm-hmm. and she was doing really well. Um, you know, finding her form again. I just think that that Sakari match was one of those cases of a point here or there. And you know, by the third set, it was clear that she was having issues with her left groin. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe you can tell me. I didn't know whether this was an existing injury or this was something new that crept up on her. But how unfortunate for BB. Like, uh, this girl has the worst luck in the entire world that she has to deal with so many injuries so early in her career. Um, had she pulled that out against Sakari and been healthy against Pliskova, honestly, even though Pliskova was has been doing so well this entire summer, um, I think... I would have thought it would have been a pretty easy go into the semis for BB. Yeah. But we still we still love you, BB. I mean, you did Canadians proud. I mean, I think this is the best turnout for Canadians in a Grand Slam in a long time. Mm-hmm. For sure. In in our defense, other than you know her three set challenge in the first round as she was trying to work her way into the tournament, she mm-hmm. perhaps had the easier draw mm. of. 
the tournament for the Canadians. And uh, yeah, she was coming into form in that match against Zachary, which went on for over three hours. Mm-hmm. And Zachary doesn't give you nothing. No, no. Tom Hill, I mean, I don't know if you read this, but Zachary said post-match that she hates playing night matches. There's just something about like spending the entire day practicing and waiting for your match and then to be second on and have the possibility of leaving the venue at like four in the morning because you finished your match and wrapped it up at two o'clock in the morning. She was just not about. But Tom Hill, shout out to Tom. Tom, we miss you watching our stories. Like engage with us again, please. <laughs> um, Tom Hill said to Zachary um, that day, this match against Bianca is going to be the match that will change your mind about night matches. And he was right. So, you know, Zachary had an excellent French Open. She's in a quarter, another quarterfinal of a slam. Um, she, congrats to her. Mm-hmm. So much congratulations to her. She's, you know, um, not that Bianca is not fit. She's very fit, but Zachary is completely, uh, and honestly, I think the fittest person uh, on the women's side. So, yeah, that match, uh, I would pick her as the favorite against. Plishkova, mm, uh, okay. to be honest. So we'll see. The um, <laughs> those two matches are tomorrow: Radikanu, Bencic, Plishkova, Sakri. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other semifinal is set with Layla and Saba. Layla and Saba. Saba. What do you think about Saba? She has now made her second semifinal in a row mm-hmm. after you know flailing a bit in her grand slam progress and i think i heard today on the television that she has engaged in us with a sports psychologist to help her through some of that stuff she started off i saw the first few games of the match she started off a bit nervous she had three double faults in the first game but still Mm -hmm. won the set six one so what like what do you think about her chances um against layla yeah to get first of all i mean though layla has conquered three titans on the women's tour this is sabalenka's best chance at reaching her first grand slam final um and watching i mean admittedly i haven't watched any of her matches in full but the commentators are saying that she's playing with more precision she's melding her power with um smarter shot selection and if there's any surface i mean you and i have said this for since our first time talking about arena on our show if there's any surface for her to win her first grand slam on it's going to be a hard court it's going to be the u.s open or it's going to be the aussie open so i mean that is going to be fascinating because sabalenka is your first strike tennis wta player and she's going against an in-fire in-form first strike uh tennis player in Layla so it's really going to be about who's going to uh, capitalize on that first aggressive ball and Layla has to uh, get lots of sleep uh, and um, you know just be prepared to run around all day or day Mm -hmm. for that match agreed yeah it's gonna be a tough battle but she's had three or four in a row so (laughs) Is she? <laughs> Listen, you and I played a- around four to five matches. <laughs> yeah. Mostly doubles that ended in a super tiebreaker. And girl, on the ride home, we were 
dead. So <laughs> yeah. I don't know how Layla's doing it. <laughs> yeah. And just so everyone knows, I have a physio appointment on Thursday. <laughs> there you go. I know with a creaky knee. <laughs> creaky knee. Um, okay. That's the ladies. Let's go, mm-hmm. Layla. Bring it home. Bring home Woo-hoo! that. Bring home that maple syrup, baby. <laughs> uh, okay, over to the men and the theme of the new generation being here. We have to talk about FAA, of mm-hmm. course. Mm-hmm. Up next on the Arthur Ashe Stadium against the eighteen-year-old who, you know, again eight years ago defeated Stefano Tsitsipas. But it was actually Friday. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I just... So remember how you asked me how we were going to start the segment with Layla? Uh, I thought about how we were going to start this segment talking about Felix and Alcaraz. And I want to take us back to the French Open. When Alcaraz faced Rafa, there was a lot of anticipation because Al- Alcaraz has been called the mini Rafa because of his style of play and the fact that he's from Spain and that he is um, an aggressive clay quarter, has a very similar forehand and backhand technique to Rafa, etc., etc. Um, I posted, is Alcaraz the future of men's clay court tennis? And if you take a look at our IG, there is a multitude of comments and also, I believe, comments on our Facebook because, you know, whatever we post to Instagram gets posted to Facebook. And people are like, oh, 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 hold on. <laughs> hold on. Hold your it's, horses. Hold your horses. It is too early to call him the next Rafa of the men's tour. He's got to do a little bit more maturing. He's got to have a little bit more exposure, experience, whatnot. And just like Layla, he is showing that he is ready to take on the main stage of RuPaul's Drag Race. I mean, <laughs> of U- the U.S. Open. And he did it against the star of Pottygate, my ex-boyfriend, Stefano Tsitsipas. Yeah, I mean, you know, sidebar, it's just shocking how long Potty- Sitsi Pottygate has gone on. <laughs> but we don't need to talk about him. Let's, no. let's talk about Alcaraz and his play. Like, what are his upsides listen his upsides are going to honestly his upsides from what i've watched are the same upsides that Layla and emma are showing they are young they are fearless they've got nothing to lose they play as if um every point was uh they play as if every point is the same and by that i mean they play aggressively and um they're able to erase any unforced errors and mistakes from their mind and start fresh the next point, you know? And I mean, again, another little um, tangent to our doubles play, I think that's what helped us this weekend was just the ability to just say to each other, listen, we've got to go for it because more times than not, when we go for it, we get rewarded and the mistakes that we make are going to have been worth it. So that's what I find excellent about Alcaraz's game is just his ability to fucking unleash on that forehand every single time. And it's gotten him to a matchup in the quarters against our boy Felix. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that you're reminding me of of that because, you know, sometimes I say things and I don't really know that they mean anything, but you, <laughs> you report back to me like that was really smart and now i it's getting me to really realize that that's what we should be doing in our matches which is just let it go and go for it and 
if we make mistakes um just move forward and you know i'll move i'll move beyond that point that we'll talk about next week (laughs) (laughs) a little teaser there for um our chat about montreal but um alcaraz is going up against faa and we have flogged faa a little bit through the summer season although he made the quarterfinals at the at wimbledon his first Mm -hmm. uh but has sort of had middling results um uh except for that and except for making the quarters as well in cincy so what do you think is starting to click because i know we talked a lot about the fact that when you watch him he is always seeming to overhit right okay let's take it back to his first round against don donskoy you helped me out with the pronunciation there english major no i'm leaving you <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm, leaving you <laughs> I'm sorry never heard of her Tolstoy. don't know her tolstoy sure war and peace right is that a war and peace reference <laughs> he's the intellectual one guys oh remember God. that um so Felix, okay, I remember watching this first round match against Donskoy. Forgive me if you're listening to our podcast. I'm sorry, I don't know how to pronounce your name. But we all thought that Felix was just going to flame out of this one because Felix captured the first set and managed through grit and determination to take it in four. But it was not pretty. He was doing all of the things that you had just mentioned, overhitting, um, kind of checking out uh, in the middle of a set, just flaming out with unforced error after unforced error and kind of like bb he's been working his way through the draw i i'm gonna well i'm gonna throw it back to you his third round match match against bautista agut to me is his turnaround match what did you see in felix's game that you know kind of separates the old felix from this new reinvigorated felix God, that is a very good question. I mean, I think being able to stand toe-to-toe against a backboard like RBA is enough to impress me, having mm-hmm. seen RBA play for the first time uh, here in Toronto. I think where he's improved is also his net play. Like, mm-hmm. what the way he finishes at the net has been um, very solid uh, in this particular tournament. It was on display I think in the match against Tiafo and I was we were watching that match when we were out for dinner after having achieved our <laughs> first final uh, in doubles and as I watched that match I said to Russell I was like I feel like this is this match is uh, at 1.5 speed or 2 speed like right. I felt like it was in fast forward they were moving so fast hitting the ball so hard I was like holy crap if this is what tennis is going to be going forward like i'm living for it because they those two guys are so athletic uh explosive move around the court with such ease but again at two times the speed from what it looks like and it was just an amazing match to watch when the free the tv wasn't freezing (laughs) Yeah, at our restaurant, we uh, we had a big screen TV on top of our heads, and uh, we had one of our competitors that we played against, Blair. Shout out to Blair from <laughs> Vancouver, who was trying to fix the Wi-Fi, but to no avail. Yeah. Um, I'll tell you my take on the Tiafo match. Tiafo has been playing incredibly. Um, 
Tiafo is playing on home turf at probably one of the most watched time slots that you can have for the U.S. Open. Um, is Jimmy Connors-esque, John McEnroe-esque in the way that he, Andre Agassi-esque in the way that he can really use uh, home court advantage and support to his um, to his advantage. And clinching that first set against Felix, you just thought that Tiafo was going to ride this wave of confidence and optimism and have that New York crowd, you know, uh, just take him to the win. But Felix, again, to talk about this reinvigorated um, Canadian, really shut the show down. I mean, 6-2, tight third set, 8-6 in the tiebreak, and then 6-4. You know, I think Felix is showing his maturity. And yeah, I think that third round match against Bautista Agut was a turnaround for him. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think against Alcaraz, Felix should come away as the winner there. Because, I mean, although Alcaraz is going for everything, I mean, Felix can still just use this mental toughness that he has um, that he has developed to take him to his first slam semifinal. He's giving us a semi. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope you're right. I It's hard to know um, with Felix because he can be so up and down. But... Uh, I do think we're starting to see the fruits of the Tony Nadal partnership. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think uh, I think you're I think you're right. I think you're on to something. I do think he can pull this match out against uh, and squash the dreams of one of the 18 <laughs> year olds, one of the next gens that is below him. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, go Felix. All week and a half long it's been like a felix and layla show on <laughs> on the ready play tennis pad- podcast social platforms so you know we want to continue that streak so one of those guys will go up against daniel who's had mm. limited struggles in his draw <laughs> i know he um i envisioned him when he saw the draw popping a bottle of russian <laughs> vodka saying yes this is this is my time this is <laughs> this is going to be my title, and um, I think he w- he wants nothing less than the trophy. Like I feel like mm. the, this is his time, and as we talked about last week, he knows that he or Zverev they need to be the guy to stop them at twenty, stop Djokovic at twenty. Yeah, you know, for as much as we talk about um, on-court game, tactics, skill, I think that to become a Grand Slam champion, you have to carry yourself like a Grand Slam champion, you know. Um, And in that department, Medvedev has lived up to all expectations. From the pre-Slam interviews where you just mentioned, he said, you know, it's our job to stop the big three from getting to 21. He's just carrying himself with a confidence, borderline cockiness, which honestly to some is a little off-putting, but to people like you and I is kind of exciting because it adds a little drama and tea and shade and all of that good stuff that we love to report about on the podcast to the tennis world. And Daniil is carrying himself like Djokovic who? Who's going for the calendar slam? This is mine, bro. Yeah. If he said bro. I don't know if he would say bro. 
I imagine that Russian food has no spice, but I appreciate that he adds a little spice to <laughs> all the all the tea. So today he took on van van de Zashlu. You I, didn't watch. You didn't watch the IG story on how to pronounce his name. Eh? I did not. No. <laughs> I. This is where go you're going to show me up. I I know because I watched it, but I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're not Dutch, so it is a little bit difficult. But he had a great one, and he did take us the third set off of Daniil. Yeah, I mean, I think maybe in Daniil's mind, he's like, uh, for all of those tennis watchers out there in the world, I'm going to make it a little bit more interesting and not route this guy three sets but then again the fourth set was also really tough but yeah um yeah daniel honestly on the men's side there are three players to watch for me can you guess who they are i mean there's not many players left so it's probably easy for you to choose (laughs) uh are we including felix or excluding felix uh we're well you will you tell me i think you're excluding felix okay you're including Daniil, obviously, uh-huh. because you're talking about him. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about him right now. Uh, <laughs> Zverev, who was your pick to beat Joko and Joko. Mm-hmm. You got it. Those That's the holy trinity of this men's U.S. Open <laughs> Grand Slam trinity. championship. Yeah, those are the guys. Yeah. Sorry, you know, just to throw Berrettini in there. Yeah, he made a semifinal a couple years ago. He, like we spoke about on our previous podcast, he was... Um, he has been dealing with an injury. He's just looked a bit sloppy to me in his um, in his pathway to the quarterfinals. And against Joko, it's gonna be not a cute situation for him. Let's be honest. Yeah, you it's know, not I, gonna be as cute as his match in the Wimbledon final, where he was able to take a set. Exactly. I just think that you know, for him. At this juncture, you know, of um, of the season, considering that he's dealing with an injury, a quarterfinal showing at the last Grand Slam is a good one for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's always had to um, win in either four or five sets, five sets against Ivashka in the last round um, before beating Ata in four sets. So, yeah, it's going to be tough against Joko, even though Joko lost a set. Um, yesterday, six one, mm-hmm. but I, I think you said maybe it was you <laughs> that said, like maybe that's just a thing that he does to get in inside somebody's head and give them some belief. And I I believe it was uh, Roddick who said um, in a tweet, he's like, first he takes your legs, uh, <laughs> and then he takes your soul. Yeah, and then Djokovic retweet uh, replied in a tweet to Roddick. Uh, no, you can keep the souls, man. That's cool. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, I mean, like, lest we forget that Djokovic was the guy that lost the first set to Jack Draper at Wimbledon. And honestly, Jack Draper and Brooksby have the, the same vibe. They're both, they were, they're both young. They're both playing at their home turf tournament. They're both playing the number one seed in Djokovic, who's trying to make history here. And Brooksby just came out on fire. I mean, 6-1, hello? But... To be honest with you, just like I said in the U.S. Open minute this morning, did anyone have any doubt that Djokovic was going to come away with from that one? And it's because he is as much of um, he's as much about um, skill as he is about tactics and reading the opponent. 
So he just had his number like literally he probably had some kind of like pythagorean theorem on the changeover after the first set of like okay this is exactly what i'm gonna do to this young guy and it was a route three two and two yeah so you you obviously have picked your your spot already in the joko berrettini match Mm -hmm. but we have to talk about Lloyd Harris. Oh yes, we do have to talk about Lloyd Harris, <laughs> South African. Yeah, South African. We've talked about him a bunch of times on the show. Super talented. We watched the sad state of affairs on Louis Armstrong Stadium as he uh, <laughs> uh, took out Chapeau in straight sets, four, four, and four. Hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't know if you remember me commenting during the match, like. Chapeau was just classic Chapeau in that he was overhitting. He was blowing leads. I mean, the first set, I don't think he ever had a lead, but the second and third set, he was up a break, at least one break in both of those sets, and just flamed out Yeah, and just gave it to to Harris. Hits the ball so clean, mm-hmm. moves the opponent around. Didn't get to watch the match today against... Riley Opelka, who has been playing really well, but mm-hmm. lost the first set and then took the next three pretty easily for one and three. Yeah. I mean, on the changeover after losing that first set to Harris, to Opelka, 7-6, you know, Opelka didn't notice, but Harris was just creeping behind his chair on the changeover, opening that, you know, compartment that all robots seem to have, you know, <laughs> took his screwdriver and just, you know, clipped some un- of the wires, <laughs> clipped some of the wires and took serve bot down. I mean, four, one and three against a server, a serve bot, to use Apelka's own words is very impressive. I yeah. mean, especially the six one six three last two sets. I mean, you know, you expect Apelka to hold, yeah. and he and Harris did it, man. Yeah, Harris has been one to watch. He made the final, I think, in Dubai, and he beat a bunch of good players, including Chapo. Had his number there too. So now he's taking on Zverev, who was your pick to beat Joko. So that means he's your pick to beat Harris if you're sticking to your guns from last week. Okay, let me just get, let me break it down <laughs> for you real quick for a second. Remember when we talked about, well, any time that Zverev has had success at tournaments, particularly Masters or Slams, it's because there's no attention put on him. Last year, when he had that entire baby daddy situation, he was a hot mess. Last year, when he had that, you know, frolicking in Saint-Tropez or wherever he was in the south of France during COVID with no mask, sitting literally like two centimeters away from the next person at the (laughs) dinner table, hot mess, right? Mm -hmm. Now that we've got stories like Harris, Felix, Raducanu, Fernandez, Djokovic going for his calendar slam... I'm telling you, girl, this is the perfect recipe for someone like Zverev to creep into his first Grand Slam championship. So and you, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just okay. going to say, you. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we've ever really done that. No. <laughs> so I feel like what you're saying is, so there's this next generation of like mm-hmm. Lloyd Harris and... Felix Alcaraz Alcaraz and then there's like this current generation of the Medvedevs and the Zverevs and then there's like the 
the the stalwarts of the golden girls yeah the golden girls the golden girl of Djokovic (laughs) and you're saying it's this this new generation of Zverev and Medvedev are going to play this role of what the big three have done which is like uh uh-uh it's not your time yet Felix it's not your time yet Mm. Alcarez it's not your time yet Lloyd Harris that's what I'm hearing uh, I, yeah, I, yeah, I guess in a way that's what it is. I mean, throw Tsitsipas into the mix when he's done on the shitter. <laughs> um, yeah, listen, it's exciting and fun and fresh to have all these like 18 year olds, early 20 year olds really getting deep into uh, the slams. I'm going to say that's more likely on the women's side for a youngin like that to capture a slam title, but you know, going back to the beginning of the men's conversation where we talked about how Medvedev is carrying himself like a slam champion, Zverev, Medvedev, Tsitsipas, that trio, throw in a little ruby red action as well. Um, They've got a lot of slams to win before Harris and Alcaraz and Felix, you know, start to amass their own collection. Yeah. I think. I... I kind of agree with you. I I mean I hope I hope we're wrong and Felix can make the semi <laughs> and I would live for a Felix Medvedev match. Like let's give Medvedev a bit of a challenge on his way to the final. I think he actually needs a challenge if he's going to be able to compete against Zverev or Djokovic in the final. Because mm-hmm. he's yeah. had a pretty easy path and he's playing really well. But you need a solid com- competitive match to to get you ripe and ready for a Joko final or even a Zverev final. Because Zverev, let's not forget, won the Olympic gold medal, won in Cincy. So, mm-hmm. top four. Agreed. Agreed. But, I mean, let's, let's set the potential context. You've got Djokovic, who is such a polarizing figure, going for the calendar Grand Slam, a um, couple matches away from g- getting to the final. And you've got Medvedev, who has been probably, in addition to Zverev, the most informed player this entire season, carrying himself like a multiple slam winner, even though he hasn't won one yet. That is the juicy-ass men's final for the history books. Because to me, it's like, you know, it, it's like, you got Joko on one side trying to make history, and you've got a representative from the new guard trying to make history. And I couldn't think of... And you're the one that, right? This was your finals pick. It was number one versus number two. You can't you can't um, create a better um, U.S. Open final than a Joko versus Medvedev final that Sunday. Is it I, Sunday or Saturday? Sunday. Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. They've... Well, not they. Medvedev set it up nicely <laughs> by saying, you know, we're stopping you at 20. And Djokovic said, how do you like your chances? And he's like, <laughs> 11 out of 10. Oh, oh, wait, 21 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, and bring it. Bring it, baby. That bring it. is the juice that we all need. Mm-hmm. I know. I mean, just talking about it gets me so pumped up. Like, get me some um, Tropicana orange juice right now, extra pulp. 
<laughs> I love extra pulp. <laughs> and as you said, because you're smart and don't need to be corrected, except I guess when it comes to the English language, apparently, <laughs> you said before we started recording, Federer who? Yeah. Nadal who? Right? Come on, y'all. Listen. I don't know about how anyone else is feeling, but for all of those people that were dragging tennis saying, you know what? We're good with the big three. We want them to continue to win. And it's not that we don't want the big three to continue to win, but the argument that tennis cannot be an exciting sport that elicits major headlines from exciting players without the big three, this slam just proved you all wrong. Mm -hmm. So go take that eight and a half minute potty break (laughs) and go text your dad because (laughs) y'all have been proven wrong. (laughs) I mean, I don't know what else there is to say. (laughs) I don't know either. (laughs) I, I mean, the only thing I would say is like, it would be interesting to talk to anyone last year who said, I miss Nadal. I miss Roger. You know, these tournaments are not the same without those guys. A mm. lot of people said that last year. What What are you saying now? Like, how are you feeling now mm-hmm. about that? Yeah, I mean, I the analogy that I can think of takes me back to grade four. And I, I don't know whether people are going to get it, but I'm going to try anyway. When you have a friendship circle, all of your friends play a certain role. There's the funny one. There's a smart one. There's the goofy one. There's the whatever there's a serious intellectual one when one of those friends leaves usually either someone comes into a new person comes in to take on that role or one of the existing people takes on one of the roles and you just have to give an opportunity to people to take on that role and medvedev tsitsipas um zverev are now having that opportunity when team comes back he's going to have that opportunity to assume the roles that the big three plus Vavrinka plus Delpo to some degree plus Murray to a larger degree have held for the past 20 years so it's just about letting go and letting God (laughs) okay maybe not letting God but letting go and letting other people fill in the shoes don't you think yeah it's um I, I think we should just end there. It's <laughs> it's uh, so well said. And, you know, why not have a grade four memory be the end of the show? <laughs> I uh, was the funny one, by the way, not the smart one. <laughs> <laughs> in, in grade four, you were the funny one. I was. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Before we go, a side note, saw an interview, saw Delpo hitting on the court today. That was very exciting. Your, I mean, you know, both myself and your husband sent uh, you a picture of Leila Andy Fernandez with your, um, you know, imaginary fantasy husband in Juan Martin Del Potro, and he looked really good. So, mm-hmm. another person who it's hard to believe can stay positive with all that he's gone through and had to deal with in his career. And when he was being interviewed by ESPN, he said, I just love the challenge. I mean, I don't know how you love the challenge of like two and a half years uh, and multiple knee surgeries or 
another two and a half years prior to that and multiple wrist surgeries like how do you have any motivation or desire to want to come back but bless him that he does i still Mm -hmm. believe he would have taken a few of those and snatched a few of those slams from those 2020 boys yeah agreed totally agree girl hope he uh comes back and take can take a few from the zverevs the teams the medvedev can can snatch one or two more that would be amazing yeah you throw him in the mix a healthy delpo and it's another ball game so okay but listen before we wrap up i think we owe it to our listeners to do a mod um an updated predictions don't you think okay Right? I mean, like, listen, my fantasy All-American Women's Final, Daniel Collins versus JPEG, totally flaked out (laughs) past the fourth round. (laughs) So I think we should do an updated prediction. So let's start with the women. What's your call, girl? Oh, crap. Okay, let me pull up the draw right quick. Mm -hmm. Okay, I have to now. I'm (laughs) nervous. I'm nervous to do this because one thing we didn't share in our, our show today was oftentimes when Layla would advance in tournaments, we would send her a message wishing her good luck or do a story wishing her good luck and she would lose. Mm. And I think we strategically didn't do that. And now now we're feeling a bit superstitious about it. <laughs> so I'm a little nervous to say that she's going to beat Sabalenka. But of course I'm going to say that she's going to beat Sabalenka. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would put Zachary against Bencic. I do think Raducanu's run will end against Bencic. And I would love to see give me a Layla Bencic final. Ah. See, I was all the way with you. I think it's going to be a Layla Sakri final. Okay. I think it's going to be a Layla Sakri final. Dare we pick the winner? <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know what? I think we can honor uh our practice by saying that we know who the winner is going to be, but we're not going to dare say the name. But okay. y'all know who we're rooting for. Yeah, but we <laughs> we silently speak your name. <laughs> <laughs> okay, on to the men. Um, mm-hmm. I think I have to... I'm nervous because I want to see how Felix plays. He's on right now. Mm-hmm. I would love to see him do well against Medvedev, but I'm going to stick to my guns and pick Joko versus Medvedev. Okay, yeah. I am going to deviate slightly and continue with my top choice of Zverev versus Medvedev. I think Zverev is going to spoil Djokovic's calendar slam possibility in the same way that Roberta Vinci did to Serena a couple of years ago. Yes. Oh, we did talk about that. That would be crazy. Yeah. And then it'll be a true final of the new guard is Zvera versus Medvedev. Who's going to claim their first slam? Woo! And will (laughs) Zverev get tight like he did last year up two sets to love? Oh my God. So good. Yeah. But I hope, you know, Felix versus Medvedev would be amazing. I would be fine either way you know yes i'm canadian but i do love medvedev so don't (laughs) don't drag me for that you're his you're his mistress remember yeah that's true only his (laughs) wife says that he needed (laughs) she needs more daniel in her uh his life so um or her life so that's me too that's you too that's you too 
I forget who I picked to win. Did I pick Daniil? I can't I remember. Think you did. I think you picked Daniil. Okay. I think you picked Daniil. I'm going to stick with that. Okay. I mean, listen, a, a semifinal showing losing to Daniil for Felix is a huge accomplishment. Yeah. And makes people like you and I that dragged Felix for the year and a half that we've been doing this podcast, you know, rethink what we say about Felix the next time we hop on a show. Agreed. And yeah. Chapo is going to be working on his next rap song. I know. The the sequel, Tonight Train. Yeah. So you is... have Zverev mm-hmm. winning. I do. Zverev is my winner. Okay. And I have Medvedev. So let's see what y'all think. Let's see who your picks are. Let's see if you miss the big three or if you're getting your life with this year's U.S. Open like everybody else. I think Brad Gilbert said this is the best. It's been the best first week of the U.S. Open in like 30 plus years or something like that. And, you know, BG knows his shit. (laughs) Fans plus exciting tennis makes me feel just over the moon you know it's just it's been phenomenal agreed and the phenomenal play will continue and we'll talk about it next week enjoy the action everyone peace (laughs) we're here for your tennis tainment or your tentertainment or whatever it is but if you like what we're serving up please give us a five-star review and like share and subscribe and like such as wait one more thing Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Ready Play Tennis Podcast.